Hello and welcome to another episode of Kopi O with Siso podcast. Today we have a very special guest joining us from Naxa, the National Cyber Security Agency. Mohammed Khairul Nain, or I'm going to call him Nain in this show, is a certified professional technologist in cyber security technology with over a decade of experience in the field. He is currently leading the charge as the head of incident response and cyber threat intelligence at the National Cyber Security Agency or Naxa where he plays a pivotal role in shaping the country's strategic direction in cyber security from handling cyber security incidents to coordinating national cyber crisis exercises his work is instrumental in safeguarding Malaysia's digital landscape today we'll be diving into his journey discussing the evolving cyber threat landscape in Malaysia and exploring the critical role of agencies like Naxa and NC4 which is National Cyber Coordination and Command Center. Welcome to the show Naim. Thank you Siva for having me. Uh, it's uh, a great pleasure to have you. So let's get started. This is a customary question that I ask all my guests. So let's start with you telling us about your journey in the field of cybersecurity what led you to your current role uh, at naxa okay let me start with a quote by adam jensen in this their sex uh, human revolutions it start with i never asked for this so <laughs> so basically my journey start uh, way back in 1999 uh, when i was just a kid trying to install a software firewalls called zone alarm if you everybody remembers from there i have a share fair share fighting the virus infection during my uni uni years if you and everybody remembers the virus called brontok bro oh and yeah, at that, uh, yeah. <laughs> at, at that time i'm just a multimedia students quite a journey is a different feels then at the same time i have some wild ideas about the polymorphism malware early, during the early 2000s although like other people said good ideas are nothing if you didn't write it down right so someone stole it already <laughs> so uh, there's a there's quite a quite a journey for during my university years i encounter a lot of things although i have i have uh, didn't have any great interest in security field during that time because i remember correctly at that time i tell to my friends that I don't want to get into this two job after we graduated one is financial services another is securities and guess what my first job is in financial sectors as a system analyst <laughs> <laughs> what a wave right okay uh, then um, after that what uh, is one of the top bank in malaysia so i have uh, quite a few years run in in as a system analyst learn about the inside of the banking systems then finally i got my second offer to to serve as a civil servant in the government and i accept the offer in the very last minute and guess what so i'm stationed in mampu and to my horror in a unit called gset uh, the long name for gset government is, yeah government yep, competent energy response response team basically is a security cyber security job so yeah my promise that i don't want to be in the financial and security then finally i'm in actually both uh, kind of uh, job field so uh, in during my tenure in gset so i learned a lot of stuff so in gset i definitely a noob or you can newbies right i didn't i start from zeros 
So imagine someone has zero knowledge in securities, network securities, uh, host securities, parameter securities, and whatnot. Put in the place and uh, try to master, uh, try to learn it all within a short period of time. Uh, a few years after that, we have the infamous Op Malaysia, a DDoS attack in 2011s. I also be part of the special task force led by the National Security Council to handle some of the incidences, national level incidences. Um, I learned a lot in during my tenure in GSET. I have a great boss, uh, Mr. Nawawi, Mr., uh, Mr. Ibrahim, and also Puan Sofia. Then uh, I got my opportunity to further my studies in Master in Cybersecurities in UK, M, uh, not United Kingdom. <laughs> it's University of <laughs> Malaysia. <laughs> yeah. And uh, after I completed my studies, uh, I report I report to duty back in government and were put into the Space and Cyber Security Division, the National Security Council, which transformed into what you know today as NAXA, National Cyber Security Agency, in 2017. So, in a nutshell, you can say that most of the time uh, I'm doing the cyber stuff, uh, I was accidentally plunged into the front line due to some circumstances that beyond my control, like the boss uh, transferred, uh, lack of peoples, uh, and I need to take the roles, right? And uh, you can say that I was forced to mature quite quickly uh, in the field that I'm not really familiar with. At the first place, so it's pretty much my the story of my life, how I I'm here. Just like I said before, I never asked for this, but it's just <laughs> a job. Uh, is a it's been assigned to me, then I happily do it uh, due to my commitment as a civil servant. Right, that's very fascinating, uh, Naim. Yeah. And I always use this term, accidental CISO or accidental cybersecurity professional. I think. <laughs> A lot of us ended up in cybersecurity by accident, like you, like me. And, you know, as you mentioned, you didn't ask for it, right? It's suppo- I mean, I suppose it's your calling. Yeah. And it's always interesting to hear about the unique paths um, people take to end up in cybersecurity, right? Yeah, and, and that's one of the intentions of, of this show. And I would really like to create awareness with regards to the kind of roles Malaysians play in various institutions um, that, you know, to a large extent work at the back end, if you will, you know, to bring them forward and showcase to the country that, you know, these are mm. some of the institutions that we have looking after our cyber realm. And these are the people that, you know, playing that that heroic role in ensuring that our, our cyberspace is a safe place, right? So yeah. now, moving on, Naim, you assume the role of incident response and cyber threat intelligence and AXA. So, share with me what does a typical day look like for you? Okay, uh, this is quite a tough question because uh, my position is quite unique in NASA. But uh, the best possible way I can explain my normal day uh, without getting my back in trouble <laughs> is it's like throwing a D20 die on the Dungeon Dragons board game. And you are praying that you get you hope you, to get a critical success. And that, for me, is the most interesting kind of day you can get in any job. means that every day is a totally random day. You don't have any specific 
task or flow that you can predict or, or, like, or like we say like a mundane uh, task to do every day. I can summarize this uh, just a quick one like that. Say one day you might get a peaceful but full of meeting days. One day you might dealing with the local threat actors and next thing you know you start dealing with the sub, some cybersecurity companies, vendors and even the intelligence agency. And sometime after the all the uh, after the end of the day you start asking yourself right oh what the day because <laughs> too bad nobody need to know any of this nobody nobody know any any of this right uh, but sometimes just quite just like the kind of like the beatles song the hard day night you have the uh, quite a terrific days but you cannot put in in a more structured way to explain it so that's why uh but at the same time i'm sorry to disappoint all the listeners that uh, my day didn't start by hanging out at a coffee shop at 10 and reading newspaper like the stigma stable of the typical civil servant <laughs> i'm i'm i'm, I'm okay. sure i'm sure you, you uh, part of that um ritual is also copy o <laughs> Definitely. Usually we had the copy O at the at the own our own table and doing our, our job on the table. <laughs> yeah, but Naim, it sounds like yeah. you have a lot on your plate, right? It's clear that yeah. your role is crucial in maintaining the cybersecurity of the nation. I imagine it requires a lot of quick thinking and adaptability. As you mentioned, right now, at the end of one spectrum, you deal with international tractors and then suddenly you got to switch gear and look at local threats. And then after that, you know, you do a lot of outreach engagement so yeah i can imagine that you know what you go through on a day to day basis that's it could you help our listeners understand the pivotal role that naxa plays in malaysia's cybersecurity landscape while professionals in the field especially those associated with cnii agencies might already be familiar we'd appreciate an overview of those who might be less acquainted with naxa's significant contributions uh, like I see mentioned before uh, in my during my introduction so the establish, establishment of naxa is uh, of uh, is on february 2017 but uh, before that way before that back in 2004 uh, it was it's just a small division called the space and cybersecurity divisions and the reason uh, I can go on how it was uh, established, but I think it's gonna <laughs> take an hours about that. So I just fast forward for it. So it's a part of the division under the uh, National Security Council that look into strategic and the policy of the cyber securities in Malaysia. At that time, it's focused only on the critical national information infrastructures. So by uh, in 2017, when we uh, presented the paper to upgrade into a fully-fledged agencies under the National City Councils. So the knowing that the scope and the landscape of the cybersecurity in Malaysia is now growing, it's not, not only focused on uh, CNII, uh, that's the reason that this National Cybersecurity was established in 2017, uh, transformed from uh, Space and Cybersecurity Division. To become as a national lead agency for cybersecurity with the objective of uh, securing and strengthening Malaysia resilience in facing the threat of cyber attacks uh, by coordinating and consolidating the nation's best expert and resource in the field of uh, cybersecurity. 
So that's pretty much uh, uh, how Naksa is uh, established. But uh, if you can see the role of Naksa, you can uh, put it in under three pillars. So the first one, uh, we go to the top uh, top bottom, is on the policy and strategy formulations. So on this part, uh, we need to understand that Malaysia is a sovereign country, and we have our own right to defend our sovereignties. But right. uh, but yeah, but also it doesn't mean we can bulldoze it. Uh, with mm -hmm. our ideas around the world, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> so <laughs> this is where we uh, each of the state actually to have ha need to have a responsibility and commitment to in international peace and securities. So the engagement is on the international platform like the United Nations and others uh, shape a lot of uh, our strategies and policies on the national levels. And also, and we bring back that ideas to through discussion uh, with other state organs and industry to strike a balance and relevant to make it relevant to our own ecosystems. So we're not going to copy paste what other countries uh, do and we, uh, we, when we implement it. So we need to have our own local flavor because if one to another organization is unique, imagine one to another country. How unique is one to another country, right? It's, it's a quite different. So it's from the policy, then we go to the uh, lower bit, then we can see is uh, the role of the monitor and to improve. So when we talk about the policy, the strategies and all the initiative uh, when implemented, we definitely we need to be measured. And when, when we measure it, we can identify the gap to do the correct improvement and via the action plans. So how to do that? is through the coordinations. So that's the third part uh, roles not supply in coordination for the action plan to have any success. Co definitely coordination need to be done on the national levels. Uh, like a famous word by Abraham Lincoln, a house divided among themselves cannot stand. So coordination play a vital role uh, in make, make sure that our policy, strategy, action plan and everything uh, works and this is a critical role NASA need to play to make sure that uh, all of us either in public and private sectors are on the right track when it comes to cyber securities so in you can see that on NASA role play a lot on the strategic levels so we do all the coordination we do the engagement on the strategic level right it's really impressive how NASA is coordinating efforts across different sectors not just in Malaysia, you also mentioned at international level, right? Uh, in my past role, I remember being part of uh, many initiatives like that. Uh, one initiative that comes to my mind is the UN cyber norm implementation in Malaysia, right? So yeah. I remember Naksa was coordinating that and I was part of that engagement. And it was very enlightening to be part of those experts from various countries coming together, discussing about how to you know, coordinate and, and cooperate. Um, with regards to cyber security. Yeah. So, the, the, um, the, the norm is quite interesting because uh, when you start working on the international level, you can see that the consensus, uh, consensual uh, agreement is a, is, a, is a must. It's not something yeah. that they say enforce. Oh, there's no veto and whatnot, right? So, Malaysia, uh, even though we are small, we, you, you can see it's quite a small country, but our voice is quite uh, loud inside the uh, in the united nation and whatnot so uh, we our voice do make a difference and because each country have so you mentioned about three pillars under naksa 
one is strategy policy one more is monitoring and the other one coordination right so i may want to deep dive a little bit into uh, all three uh, yeah. so the first one is really on the strategy and policy and i recall naxa published uh, the malaysia cybersecurity strategy in 2020 yeah, can you yeah. share specific examples of how the strategic trust uh, i remember you know it had about five trusts if i'm not mistaken yes. right have significantly yes. improved malaysia's cybersecurity landscape and if you could you know share some success stories that would be great as well i i think i focus on one part of one of the pillars the third pillars actually on the on innovation technology technology innovation the r&d and the industry in the world class industry right so uh, one of, we, within these pillars uh, we have our work uh, we nasa with uh, mdec we have established a program called the cyber 100 uh, so the cyber 100 program is is the way we want to recognize the local talent and local companies that have the capabilities to do all this uh, cyber security cyber defense and even all the services to be recognized and to be uh, elevate them in the new light because when we talk about when when we talk about industries usually we, we people will refer to Forrester Gardner and all this magic quadrant stuff right right and yeah sometimes it doesn't make sense for our company local company to go there invest a lot but it doesn't make sense a lot so we have our own initiative with with MDEC to give that kind of recognition for them So until 2022 we have three cohort for um the Cyber 100 which we recognize a lot of companies local companies uh, within the specific team so i think recently last month we also have the open day to uh, show to all the at least the CISOs and the ICTSO in the government that hey this is a local product that you can we have been verified to a street Uh, code of conduct and uh, services can be used in the government you don't need to you rely on the gardener and what not so this is a part of the success story that we do under the mcss uh, and i uh, hope uh, we also got uh, news that this thing will will definitely continue next year with amnet so th- there's a lot of opportunities for the and uh, and local companies to have within the Malaysian market one of the reason uh, because if you look at the uh, on the landscape on national security council perspective one of the landscape that we focus on is uh, reliance on external technologies external vendors so we want to reduce that kind of risk and on the national level so by elevating the local players industries on the new level hopefully we can improve a lot of cybersecurity posture in Malaysia right naim i think that's definitely a very commendable effort from naxa and and also you covered that you know it's not just naxa right you know so you yeah. cross coordinate with with mdec and then you know the benefits are tremendous i suppose uh, i mean reduce reliance on foreign technologies you know we we encourage and cultivate local talents local products and also i think you know the idea is to make cybersecurity more accessible to local companies especially those smes right yeah correct yeah so um, just just follow up on that mcss 
part, right? I do know that sometimes it's very challenging in executing uh, national level strategies. And especially since 2020 to now, where, you know, we have changed governments um, a number of times, right? So would you be able to share some of the major challenges that, you know, Naksa face in executing uh, the MCSS? Okay, when we talk about uh, some of the challenges that I can share, right? When we talk, we we have a f- quite a frequent uh, government change, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not the worst. I I seen that there's some countries has much more frequent than us, but the big challenges that we can see is to get our top leaders to have the right mindset on cyber cyber risk or cybersecurity in general, because what the most worrying thing is uh, we afraid that our top leaders when they talk about cybersecurity is always come back to scam phishing because it's was it's more than that so that's a part of the challenges because we need to edu- re-educate them mm. we need to make them understand to make things worse when they understand suddenly they change the people there mm. so that's good i think but at the same time it's we take it as a challenge because it's our job to educate the top leaders but at the same time to get they are on the same book and what we need to achieve really take some time and some take some time to adjust their uh, their mindset he can uh, grasp the the idea and the the concept behind uh, cyber even though it's a totally uh, foreign uh, stuff for him so that's a quite a success story if you want to see uh, but at the same time uh, there's a lot of challenges behind that. I mean, talk to the top management. You're not only talk, talking to the on the ministry level. You're also talking about the civil servant bosses and the, the all these uh, CNI bosses that didn't think that cyber risk is worthy enough to be included inside the business risk. Yeah, understand. So I, I totally, totally get what you mean, right? You face those challenges with regards to educating and also creating awareness among the government sector. Similarly, you know, people in private sector, those technical people always are grappling with educating and creating awareness among the C-suites, the board members and all that, right? I, I, I yeah. suppose it's, it's similar. <laughs> it's, it's a, a, a steam landscape, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, moving on, Naim, um, on the... The other pillar that you mentioned with regards to Naksa's role, which is monitoring, and you work under the uh, NC4, which is the um, National Cyber Coordination and Command Center, right? And having seen, and I'm supposed you have a great vantage point, you see things that nobody else, <laughs> you know, uh, sees <laughs> in the country, right? So on that note, and from your perspective, what are the most significant cyber threats that Malaysia is currently facing? How has this landscape evolved over the years? I agree with that, um, Siva. Uh, it's pretty much you, you look into, you have the gift or maybe they call it a curse to see <laughs> the, the, the world beyond your eyesight. Uh, if in Malay they said it the alam bunian, <laughs> yeah. So although uh, I can I can separate this in this in in these two uh, category on the technical on the strategic. So when you talk about tra- technicals, uh, the most significant cyber threat in Malaysia, whether we like it or not, quite a famous one is definitely ransomware. 
yeah. I was hoping that you won't say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was hoping it's not it's not it's not a thing that we need to be worried about uh. because the When you talk about the ransomware, we are talking about the cyber-enabled crime ecosystem. Ransomware is no longer, uh, although it's still a attack opportunity kind of things, but ransomware is no longer any uh, one actors doing this thing alone to get uh, monies and to their for, for fun. It's already a cyber crime ecosystem. So we have different guy developing the payload, different guy. Delivering the payload, different guy do the extortion. So we are no longer thinking about one actor. It's definitely maybe three or more, and they are working with each other. And when they, the criminal, are working with each other, and is is gonna be a bad news for us. That's the thing I I can see that the ecosystem on the ransomware itself, from locking people through the lock, uh, crypto locker and whatnot. Currently now is a full fledged business. So when you talk about business, it's monetary orient. So, uh, and the second part, strategic. So definitely, when we talk about the uh, uh, Naxa, is which is under the purview of National Security Council, the nation state, like the advanced persistent threat, is our is always in our view. So a lot of engagement we do with our counterpart in uh, other countries to share this kind of the to get this kind of informations, because we are talking about People who don't want to do any harm, but want to have information advantage on their side. So you are talking about the the standard bread and butter espionage, uh, all the stuff, uh, things happenings, but in the more sub uh, subtle way. Uh, right. Last time you need last time last time you need to send people here. Though nowadays you you don't need. Uh, Even to have an agent here, you just need to have a malware here. That's all. But at the same time, is a, uh, an honorable mention. Uh, we can see that is uh, on the influence operations. So when we talk about influence operation, is about the uh, some of it. We can see a part of the subset of, of it is uh, mis misinformation, disinformations that has been running in our countries. Uh, to spread some sort of idealism, uh, propaganda to disturb our own national uh, peace and uh, harmony. Uh, that's the thing that we can see that uh, quite happening because of the explosion of the middle socials. So uh, anything nowadays can be deepfakes, can be uh, videos, uh, do all the stuff, right? Yeah. Unlike, uh, Quite terrifying when the influence operations start leveraging, especially the AI technology, to do their job. Yeah, so you know that these threats you have mentioned are indeed significant, and at least from my perspective, it seems that cyber threats are becoming more sophisticated, extremely organized. It's a it's an entire ecosystem by its own, right? And I remember yeah. seeing there is a magic quadrant for cyber threat actors. <laughs> the <laughs> right? ransomware, right? <laughs> the ransomware and the cyber threat actors. Yeah, I didn't remember anything. And then, yeah, which makes then your role even more critical. You know, one thing we don't discuss much publicly on cyber attacks against Malaysian entities um, mm. that could be because you know we don't have uh, sufficient. Legislation or law, or that mandate the mandatory notification or disclosure of incident, right? And I'm wondering, do you think at least the SMEs uh, in Malaysia should be worried 
about cyber attacks, especially ransomware. Yeah, definitely. Because we are no longer in the era of I'm insignificant, so nobody gonna hack me. So right. the the current state of cyber attack in, in we're talking about this uh, current state is no longer uh, targeted only. It can be an attack opportunity. Whatever who who's have the largest attack surface, attack uh, attack surface definitely be, will become victim. Yeah, those because, low uh, low hanging fruits. Correct, low hanging fruit. The passwords and all these credentials, mm. uh, open services, vulnerable services, and all this stuff. Right, that's this definitely. Uh, we need to get rid of that kind of uh, mindset that we are small enough, nobody gonna attack us, because everything. Uh, this is my personal experience because my friend recently get hacked. Their teacher get hacked. The first answer he tell me that I'm nobody. Nobody gonna hack me. Why they want to hack me, right? So it's, I I I I just said anything regarding you. All the data regarding you is valuable to somebody else. Maybe right. not to you, but somebody else. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So I recall reading your profile on LinkedIn. You you have mentioned that you engage in small cybersecurity programs as part of active outreach on behalf of Naxa, right? Um, can you share more about these programs and their impact? Okay, cool. We go back to uh, the, the Malaysian cybersecurity strategy. Like right? in inside the Malaysian cybersecurity strategies, we do mention that uh, when you talk about cybersecurity, is actually it require. A whole of nation approach. So at the same time, I'm firmly believe that a small but impactful program have more more impact to the when we come to the execution and much more easier to navigate. So uh, take my example of my own uh, special interest group. We call it the House of F, which uh, F stand for my government scheme. Scheme F, right? So it's an IT scheme. So that's the way we want to approach the community and our own groups, uh, small smaller groups, uh, more concentrated and more uh, practicals. So that's why we take more more down to us uh, approach instead of go big and go famous. Then uh, because uh, we know that there's a lot of people want to have. The ideas. I want to have some discussion. Want to know things, but they don't have any guide, any guidance, or any mentor, or any reference that they can do. And sometimes when we talk about Asian lah, in general, right? We always shy one. <laughs> when we go in the conference, any question, nobody gonna ask anything, right? Yep. So yeah. <laughs> so that's that's the kind of platform that I think a close and small uh, platform have more impact because they are more comfortable to talk with and more approachable because we we don't go there as a some of big big guy or big officers. We just go there as a hey, we are just like you guys. Uh, I'm start from zero. So what you want to know, we can learn together. And cybersecurity, I think the last podcast already mentioned that the cybersecurity is a, a big field. Nobody right. gonna master it all, right? So that's the one way that um, I can see that uh, our outreach, small programs, uh, have some impact on the people that they they want. They have a platform to learn, so they they are not totally ignorance. And also at the same time, as my superior, uh, for me to get permission to engage is give a small but 
trustworthy outreach program uh, involving the communities because um, I believe that community level should play a major role in shaping on our cybersecurity postures or hygiene at least because uh, when it comes to community, it's more like a relaxed versions and also it's more approachable. But I emphasize on trust. That's why I, I call small but trustworthy. Because when you talk about security, it's always about trust. Right. When we want to reach out to the community, we also want to have a trusted community. We don't want to be um, be exploited. <laughs> That's the, the 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 words. And at the same time, we don't want to harbor any bad or any toxic environment ecosystem within the communities. Um, so it pretty much you break the trust, burn the bridges, kind of things. Absolutely. You know, it, it's brilliant. These outreach programs sound like a great way to raise awareness and build a culture of cybersecurity. And interesting that you mentioned that small um, scale groups. And I can also see the trend where the cybersecurity vendors and principals are also adopting the same approach right now. I mean, in the last two weeks, I got invited to a number of events and they are no longer doing big scale events. They are trying to invite only 20 to 30 people into a small room in a hotel. And I realized that, you know, the engagement, the the stigma of agents not asking questions are all broken. People, yeah, are... I, I can see also. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's amazing, right? <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a reason when when we I join some of the yeah with the cybersecurity vendors. So I I also noticed the same thing around twenty to thirty max people's this stigma and afraid. To, uh, yeah, to, to voice out their opinions. Precisely, yeah. So now, uh, Naim, let's switch gear and I want to talk about some kind of vision or aspiration or, or a dream, if you will, that we all have for the country's cyber safety or cyber security. So on that note, what are your aspirations for Malaysia in terms of cyber security? Where do you see the country in the next five to 10 years in this regard? I mean, maybe 10 years be too long. Okay, in the next five years. <laughs> okay. First of all, I really, really hope our leaders have the right mindset about cyber risk. That's the most important thing. Because without the right mindset of the for our top leaders, we won't go anywhere for the next five years. That's my first aspirations. So from there, it's come to the next thing. It's called it the governance. We really need to have a better governance structure. And uh, even the prime minister is an, an acknowledging it. So in the next five to ten years, I hope that our aspiration with the current leaders, hopefully, and our and with the better governance, we can achieve a better state of uh, cybersecurity posture and hygiene in Malaysia. Oh. Right. That's pretty much the overview. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, sweet and sharp, your vision is definitely inspiring. And, you know, I think it's cut across not just at the government level, also in the private sector, right? Ultimately, yes. it's about mindset shift and also governance, yes. right? Uh, and, and yeah, so like you highlighted, it's very important for our country to have clear goals and aspirations in this area. 
right? So now, what advice would you give to businesses and individuals? Because you also mentioned about the differentiation between cyber threats versus scams. I also had that gripe when um, many institutions in Malaysia they or rather um, mix this up together and lump it together under the the term cyber cyber crime to me it's very different cyber threat which targeting critical national infrastructure 10 ringgit for everybody when we mention scam and the cyber security issues i think we can be rich enough already <laughs> <laughs> i like that i like that yeah yeah uh, okay um uh, this one i like to quote uh with mr rodney from the previous podcast right when we talk about um on to better protect themselves from cyber threat we go back to the first fundamental thing these things we need to read and learn you really need to read and learn uh, we cannot be uh, you in this kind of uh, age of digital media and whatnot you can't wait to be spoon fed when it comes to cyber and for businesses especially to have a clear vision on what you need to protect because the first thing you need to have a, a better uh, idea how to protect yourself is to have the idea of what to protect if they don't know what they want to protect then the the, the idea to protect thing is going to be uh, very messy as dr suresh perfectly summarized previously right the people part need to be threatened through skill and knowledge or else the process and technology won't make any differences. So listen to these two uh, experts. Nowadays, we have a lot of uh, channel to do that. It's no longer books. We have the vid- uh, YouTube videos. We have this podcast as examples. We have all the e-books. Uh, and we have all the Telegram, uh, all the WhatsApp channel that they can join to learn about. And of course, the, the good old... Uh, forums that they can learn a lot uh, without uh, breaking a sweat right the first thing that i noted is that uh, something that really heartening is you quoted two of my previous expert guests which also shows that you know you listen to my podcast i'm very happy, to, <laughs> I'm very happy to, you know you you mentioned about put yourself out there keep learning keep abreast with the latest Uh, happening awareness is key cyber hygiene and whatnot right and especially for businesses yep right because, Now, because uh, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Ni, uh, because Siva, uh, mm-hmm. there's a thing about learn, uh, uh, learnings uh, take note of the new technology and movement that's the thing that i think uh, the first thing you you have to have a curious mind it doesn't need to you need to master the the, the all the technologies or the lingos right so let's say like the ai right you learn about the ai you know how they they works but uh, at the same time you you will start to process all what they are saying about the ais is more like a fear mongering it's more like a misguided fear mongering rather than the benefits So from there you can start to learn that to differentiate what's the real news or real uh, information compared to the some sort of fear mongering AI gonna take your job and whatnot right It's because the 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 thing about news are or something that we learn on the in this current age and time it's much easier to buy in a unconfirmed Uh, 
news rather than we listening to the right, we get the right benefits. Because in the end, selling fear is much more easier than selling the benefit of some things. Yeah, completely agree with you. We all been there, right? From the yeah. days of calculator, TV, <laughs> yeah. uh, computers, laptops, iPhones, yeah. smartphones, hand, yeah. I mean, you know, tablets, and now AI. But we are built to adapt, to learn, and, right. and look at the, you know, the benefits of, you know, whatever tools that are put in front of us. So mm. it's it's not all loss. Uh, I'm I'm actually totally excited about AI, and I'm I'm keen to know what it can do more. Uh, you know, for us, for me, to do my job better. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> so now um, we are almost at the end of the show. Two more questions. Um, if you had a chance to do something totally different with regard to national cyber incident response, what would that be? I would love the National Cyber Incident Response to have a more mature, open, tra- and transparent approach and disclosure when it comes to cyber incidents so that we can have a better focus on our energy in the right, in the right time and place. That's my wish list to have, on the, to have a different take on the National Cyber Incident Response because uh, the maturity on the cyber incident to treat it as an opportunity to learn, to be better, is much more beneficial rather than to be ashamed. Hence, the mature part and open and transparent. I hope we can one day achieve that. And my last question, um, I would like to step out of the, the heavy topic of cybersecurity, right? Uh, more of like a personal question. So outside of your professional life as a cybersecurity professional what do you enjoy doing in your spare time and you you have already shared you know how much you have on your plate um and and how hectic your your day can be as a you know national level cybersecurity professional how do you balance the demands of your role with your personal life if they have been listening from the start start of the podcast right you can already have some guess what i enjoy doing in my spare time so during my first quote i said that i didn't ask for this right the character adam jensen is actually <laughs> from the video games so i really love uh, video game enjoying playing video games a lot because it gives me some sort of uh, pleasure to escape the realities of my hectic work so that's it, the magic of video game that I've been discovered since I was a little guy. I've been obsessed with it. I was aiming to be a video game designer at first. You know? Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that, so that how much I love it. Because for me, when you do all the hard work, days, when you come back to the uh, house you meet with your spouse, children and whatnot, right? You always wonder, that, uh, wh- what if... I'm doing another kind of job. <laughs> that kind of, uh, I love because I have some weird interest in alternate universe or alternate consequences and all this, or, or the Marvel fan call it the what if scenario, right? So that's kind of thing that I love to explore because when, when you say video game, you can be practically anyone. You can be a hero. You can be slaying the demons. You can slay, you can save the world like a hero that you always want to be, right? Or maybe some you want to be some sort of villain. So this kind of thing that uh, 
not only relieve your stress, relieve your uh, teleport you into a different worlds uh, to get the new perspective, but it also is one way to sharpen up to sharpen your thought because uh, we are not, not we are no longer talking about video game uh, that have don't have any meanings. It's no no longer like a Mario that you go and rescue the damsel in distress in some castles, right? Nowadays, the video game is more on storytelling. And I can assure you, I have more time playing game rather than I watch Netflix. Because I have more engagements, I have more thought, and some of the ideas that I got uh, that I impl- I use it during my engagement, during my uh, day-to-day job, sometimes derive from the lesson learned from the video games and i'm no longer a young guy anymore so i won't not not going to play some competitive games that that try to winning some uh, big buck from the major esport league so i just more like a relaxed guy can have a conversation with my friends and per se you go to tetare right and then my tetare is pretty much sit in front of the tv play game and chat with my friends <laughs> so it's quite a escape reality for me right and some sort of Uh, pleasure to have conversation with friends. Sometimes this kind of conversation can trigger a lot of interesting stuff we can discuss without leaving our house. Yeah, right. That's pretty much my my interest. I, maybe I'm I'm a weird guy. Uh, no, Cybersuity no. Guy, uh, guy love playing video games. <laughs> you you are not. I can assure you, I have a lot of friends uh, yeah. in IT cybersecurity who are hardcore gamers. But any particular game that you are addicted to right now? Oh, definitely Diablo 4. That game <laughs> okay. is definitely is a crazy game. <laughs> that game is a very well. Uh, that's the thing. Uh, something we learn about uh, video game development, right? Um, how they manage the queue, the traffic. Sometimes you trigger. Wow, this game Diablo 4 is launched uh, launched last week, early access and earlier this week, right? They managed to cater the server. Uh, to accept all the players all around the world without any hiccup and without any long queue, so that's the one. Sometimes we we always oh how the what the technology behind this, mm. how they do it. That kind that kind of mundane stuff sometimes trigger you to yeah I want to learn about this. That's how we sometimes I can see that uh, way playing game also is is another portal to learn about how the world works. And I'm 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 loving it. I'm you know the way you articulated your hobby and link <laughs> it with your professional job. You know all those things that you go through, you learn, and your ability to apply that in your job. I mean that's perfect. So you are living your dream, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, uh, Naim, listen. I think this has been a great, great session. I really enjoyed. Um, speaking with you and thank you for being so candid and open thing you know you are also being quite transparent uh, aligned with your aspiration for the national cyber security i suppose but really yeah. um, thank you so much for coming on to the show and i hope sometime in the future we can speak again on on a different topic yeah definitely i would love to talk about anything that uh, might strike an interest to you too and the audience so yeah uh, i'm also 
uh, would like to thank you on behalf uh, of Naksa for inviting me uh, to share some information, to shed some light uh, on what we do. And uh, it's part of the, you can say a small outreach also. Right. Yeah. And also, I would like to um, wish you best of luck for your podcast. It's definitely a great one, having a blast, having a podcast and also listening to the podcast. I'm also looking forward to hear more and more prominent and prolific uh, guy or girls in the you know, podcast that can uh, help a lot of youngsters, a lot, even a lot of uh, uh, people that want to have a kickstart in cybersecurities. Remember, everybody start from zero, right? Yeah, it, and and not to mention, I forgot to mention this, right? I'm loving all your quotes, metaphors, <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yeah, uh, I picked some. Uh, I'm gonna steal them. <laughs> no more <laughs> feel, feel, feel free to share. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So again, nine. Thank you so much. Um, speak with you again.